Well, unless uh, this is your first time ever in a church, you, uh, you've come knowing that you're going to hear something from the Bible. Uh, the words that we read, the, the message that I bring is from this book, the written word of God. And through these words, God has spoken to us. And yet, strangely, that word doesn't impact all of us the same way, and sometimes not at all. Well, why is that? Why is that? I've had uh, people admit something like this. Life is so miserable for me right now that I almost couldn't drag myself to church today. But thank God I did because that message was exactly what I needed. And the other people in that same exact service were completely indifferent to what was said that day. How can that be? There are times I see people with tears streaming down their faces as they hear from God, and right next to them are people hearing that exact same thing, and they look like they're in the middle of a root canal or a coma. <laughs> and here's something else that happens. The, the power of God's Word stirs in you, and you look across the room, and you think, I hope they're listening to this. Or you elbow your spouse in the ribs to make sure that he or she hears exactly how they need to change. <laughs> or you recognize that this message is exactly what Joe needs to hear, and then you realize that Joe isn't even here today, and you think, what a jerk. <laughs> Why is it that we can hear the same thing and not receive it? What keeps us from being transformed by the Word of God? What gets in the way of life-changing truth? Well, Jesus tells us, this lesson is so important that it's repeated three times in the New Testament. Using a parable, Jesus explains how we keep God's word from changing our lives. A parable, by the way, is a story with a hidden point. And uh, our problem is that we get too familiar with parables like this, and we're not jabbed the way we're supposed to be. That story with a hidden point can lose its pointedness if we get too familiar. Well, let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. So when Jesus shares this story, a crowd is mobbing him like he's a celebrity. The masses of people are drawn by Jesus' magnetism and miracles, his teaching that was like nothing else they'd ever heard before. They want to hear him speak. They want to touch him. They want to be healed by him. Jesus was extremely popular, but uh, that popularity certainly didn't mean that everyone believed. Despite the size of the crowd, few were ready to hear the message and place their trust in Jesus. But it's to this throng of pushing, pulling people that Jesus tells of the farmer and the seed. And as familiar as this parable is to many of you, God has fresh insight and guidance for you today if you are willing to hear it. Jesus begins, verse 3, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. So the farmer throws the seed everywhere, covering every corner of the field in hopes of getting the best harvest possible. 
And uh, this planting would happen after the rain softened the soil. Rain is wet stuff that we sometimes get here in this part of the country. (laughs) The farmer would plow, he would scatter the seed, and then he would wait. And Jesus described four different places where the seed ends up. Some seed fall on the path where the ground was hardened by foot traffic and the seeds didn't penetrate. Some seed fell on soil that looked fine on the surface, but underneath was rocky. Some seed fell on ground where the thorns were also waiting to sprout, but a portion of that scattered seed fell on good, receptive soil. And please notice that despite all that seed the farmer broadcasted, about three-quarters of it was a lost cause. So the odds were poor. Uh, The seed on the hard pan only became bird food. The seed on the rocky area started out great, but unable to root, the seedlings wilted away. The seed with the thorns were choked out, but the seed on the good soil was extremely productive. In that day, a great harvest for a farmer would be ten times what he planted. This crop was miraculous. It produced 30, 60, or 100 times what was scattered, Jesus said. So this story tells us, among other things, why more people reject Jesus than accept him. It tells us why God's people don't always see life change, even when they hear the word of God. It tells us why, even though powerful truth is dropping all around you, that sometimes you don't get anything at all, while someone else does. Verse 9, then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. The disciples wait till the crowd goes away, and they say, Jesus, uh, we, we know what you said was important stuff, but we don't get it. Can, can you help us out? And the reality is we'll never understand the truth unless God reveals it. Now, one person can grasp what re- remains a mystery to the person next to them. They don't know and they don't want to know. They don't get it and don't want to get it. Only those with faith understand. The disciples can't figure it out, but they want to. And so Jesus gives the explanation. These four types of soil are four attitudes toward the word of God. They're four responses. All of us are represented in this story. Uh, You and I are somewhere in this story today. One of these four responses you will have to the word of God even right now. So let's look at these four responses. The first is unprepared. Verse 15. Some people, Jesus said, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So it's been years ago that I last played softball. I was in a tournament, I believe, when this happened, a a city league tournament. And uh, I was looking the part. I had a big chaw of bubblegum in my mouth. And uh, uh, I was playing first base. I'm big. I'm left-handed. I was playing first base. Uh, the other team hit a clean single, uh, and our outfielder grabbed it, threw it into the second baseman, and uh, I turned to, uh, to, to check where the runner was, and he was there, stopped at first base, when all of a sudden I heard, watch out! And the next thing I knew, I was lying on my back on the infield. And when I finally opened my eyes, the, my teammates were gathered around me with uh, concerned looks on their faces, and uh, they said, are, are you all right? Are you right? And I said, I swallowed my gum. So... <laughs> If you aren't ready for it, you aren't going to catch the word. Even though it's being thrown in your direction with precision, if you aren't ready to receive it, it will be lost. God's word is powerful, but it's not going to beat its way into hard soil. And then when it doesn't, Jesus says the evil one's going to snatch it away. 
So it won't have a chance to do you any good. You may have been in church and Bible class for decades, and the seed of the word is just bouncing off. You may have gone through every study Beth Moore has ever done. Uh, you may work through the Baptist Sunday School quarterly, done Bible memory, listened to the best preachers in the country, and because you weren't prepared, truth just pinged off your skull. Whatever doesn't penetrate, Satan keeps removing. Now, you're unprepared when you're too busy. Uh, when you're tiredly familiar with truth, when you're focused on your own agenda, when you're unwilling to put any effort into hearing God, there needs to be an attitude of expectancy when you worship, when you read scripture, when you attend class or Bible study. Without that preparation, you won't catch anything. Second response is superficial. Superficial. Jesus says, verse 16, others like seed sown in rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Have you ever known somebody to embrace the good news with joy at first? Somebody who started out in the life of faith but didn't put down root and remain mostly at surface level? When things get tough, those kinds of people fall away. They're scared off. Trusting in Jesus is fine when life is running smoothly, but what about when there's stress or ridicule or peer pressure or the roof falls in? If the word does not get deeply rooted in your life, you back away, you wilt. Maybe you live in Sun City and you've gotten involved in a couple of clubs and that's great. Uh, since I'm not retired, I'm only in one club, but maybe you're in several different things. Let's say one of your clubs is having an event on Tuesday, and your friends expect you to be there, and you, you say, well, I, I don't think I can on Tuesday, because I, uh, I, I just joined a Bible study that day. And your friends say, come on, you're religious enough already, and they cajole you into joining them, because you want to fit in, and you don't want to look like some fanatic, you, you do that. But if you let those kinds of pressures keep pushing you away from Bible study, pushing you away from worship, eventually your excitement for Jesus will cool off and, and God's truth will wither in your life. Or, or maybe you've been a responsible church-going family man. You've got integrity. You're a hard worker. Uh, you're in church regularly. Maybe you're part of a, of a Bible class. And Years ago, you got baptized, and that was an important step in your life, but things have kind of evened out since then, and you admit you're, you're no spiritual giant. And then one day the doctor says... I'm sorry, but, but you have cancer. You're going to need surgery and then, then chemo. And for the first time in your life, you're scared because you thought you had a deal with God. As long as you were a stand-up guy, that God was going to be on your side because isn't that how it works? No, that's not how it works, by the way. Before, you enjoyed the music at the church, put you in a good mood, and now those same songs kind of irritate you. Before, you thought prayer and Bible teaching was was maybe helpful, but now it seems like a, a cruel waste of time. And pressure, problems, stress, trouble have put you to the test. And since there's no rootedness, there's not spiritual maturity, you fall away at the time you need God most. And even after years of church attendance and Christian experience, you can have a superficial response to the Word of God. The third response is preoccupied. Verse 18, Jesus said, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Jesus is clear 
about the types of things that occupy us, preoccupy us, and actually become barriers to clear reception of the word. He mentions three here. Worry, wealth, and worldliness. And you and I are in a constant battle to keep those things from grabbing our attention. Look at each one of these. Uh, First of all, you can be preoccupied with the worries of this life, Jesus said. Your anxieties, your fears in life can strangle the word of God, can destroy its impact. And that's one reason why the Bible tells us to cast all our cares on him, for he cares for you. Several years ago, a guy came and spoke to me after a worship service and shared a problem that he and his family were facing. And after he'd shared that problem and uh, all that was going on in his life, he said, well, John, I I couldn't even focus in worship today. The stress of of the situation is killing me. It was all I could think about. I didn't hear a single word of your sermon, which I love to hear that. So (laughs) what was so interesting is that that day I preached on 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which is about how God comforts us in all of our struggles. And it was so relevant. If there was one passage I could have preached on that would have spoke to the situation, it was that one. And that's what worry does to us. You get so preoccupied. Are you preoccupied by anxiety so that you can't receive the truth of God? And then preoccupied with the deceitfulness of wealth, Jesus said. And I'm not just talking about abundance, but this issue of how, how wealth, how things, how possessions can... can entice you and and fool you it's when you're lulled into putting your trust and your focus in material things Uh, money then becomes important that it chokes out the word you can be poor and be deceived by wealth it's when your focus is on i need more or i want more or how can i hold on to what i have money can preoccupy you jesus says and then be preoccupied with worldliness that's the desires for other things that word desires, epithemia, is the Greek word. And it occurs 38 times in the New Testament. And it means lust or craving for. First John 2 used it to define worldliness. He used that word epithemia, desires, to define what worldliness is. It's a craving that you should, craving for what you shouldn't have. It's, it's lusting visually. It's bragging about your success, bragging about your stuff. That's First John 2. So your priorities, your passions, your pursuits, your pleasures can distract and preoccupy you until there's no place for the word of God to take root. The noise of your career, of your family and relationships, your investments, your possessions, your hobbies, your plans get louder than the word of God. The preoccupied don't hear. Now there's a fourth response Jesus mentions and that's receptive. Verse 20, Jesus said others... Like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. So the good soil is fertile. It's been prepared to receive the seed. And Jesus said when you take in his word, when you allow it to penetrate, an incredible, unbelievable harvest results in your life. See, a true disciple welcomes the word and it brings amazing results. The seed is First of all, certainly the good news about Jesus. It is putting our complete trust in him to deal with our sin by his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection. But once we receive that initial word and believe on him, we must take care not to be hardened, not to become indifferent or overly familiar with God's truth. Because he continually scatters the seed in our lives. And and if it finds a place to grow, the results are astounding. When we're ready to receive it, God's word is miraculously 
productive. It's a question of reception. Uh, Years ago, my wife casually mentioned to me that it would be nice to have a, a little stereo system that she could play in her office as she prepared her lessons. And uh, she didn't want anything fancy. She just wanted something that could want, play the radio and a CD. Now you know how long ago this was, a CD. At least it wasn't an 8-track, it was a CD. So I actually remembered this, and uh, um, it was one of the gifts I got her that Christmas years ago. And this one had functions on it she didn't even ask for. Uh, it looked impressive. But after trying to use it for a while, she told me, John, I can only get one radio station. And so I gave it a try. And the only station she could get was Mix 95.1, which is a great station. Rick and Lisa host the morning show. They are personal friends of ours to this very day. Uh, Rick does programming there. It's a, it's a great station. But my wife, being very picky, wanted more than one choice in her radio listening. So um, I, I, I tried it myself and discovered that anywhere close to 95.1, you got that station. I mean, 96 got it, 97 got it, and everything else was just static, white noise. So I, I asked Rick uh, if it was his plan to take over the radio world, and uh, <laughs> he said, and I quote, our signal is very strong. And I know this has happened with other people, but only those with less expensive radios. (laughs) So all those other stations were still broadcasting, but my radio was too cheap to pick it up. In this parable, Jesus tells us, receiving God's word is the mark of a disciple. Receiving the word is the mark of a disciple. So you can go to church your whole life and never fully tune in to hear from God. You may catch snatches of information, a little bit of music, but then it's lost in a a lot of white noise or drowned out by stronger signals that are going on in your life. Reception is everything. Because when you receive the word, it will be incredibly productive in your life. So what does it mean to receive the word? I think that's a key question. In order to receive the word, you first of all must receive Jesus, John 1.12. Admit, A, that you are a sinner in need of one to save you from the death penalty of sin. B, believe that Jesus is the only Savior who sacrificed his life to, to pay the price for your forgiveness and acceptance into the family of God and who was raised from the dead. And to C, confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and commit yourself completely to him. And then your life, as we covered last week, will be Christ-centered. But if you're going to grow as a disciple, you must be receiving his word. If If you've received Jesus, you must then continue to receive his word to be a disciple. And that word that Jesus uses for receive, paradexontai, is to welcome like family. And so there is my mother on one end, my wife Amy on the other end, and our two daughters in the middle. And I share this, my mother's 90th birthday is in a couple of weeks, and we are flying to New York State for that week. I've taken the week off, I've gotten rid of all my other responsibilities, uh, and uh, our whole family will be there, Lord willing. And my brother's family will be there, and, and my mom will receive us. She's preparing to receive us right now, all right? She's, she's, she's going to clean. She doesn't need to clean, she's going to clean. She used to own a cat, and I'm allergic to cats. 
And when she knew I was coming, she would clean. There would not be a speck of dander anywhere she would clean. And I imagine, even though we don't want her to, she's probably buying food and making meals even as we speak right now. She's making beds. We're not going to stay there. She's going to make beds anyway. She's going to make food. With, but, but she's going to be waiting for us at the door when we arrive, whenever that is. There will be hugs and kisses, and we'll talk, and we'll take pictures, and we'll make memories, and the focus will be on mom and what she means to us. Uh, and so th- we prepared. We we took that time off. We bought tickets. We planned a party. We're getting rid of all our other responsibilities. That's how you receive biblical truth. You welcome it like family. See, receiving God's word depends on your expectation, preparation, and intention. You must expect to hear from God. Anticipate that he has something to say to you. That there's something that needs to grow in your life. Expect that. Prepare. Prepare to receive that word. Set aside anything that might block your ability to receive the word of God. Watch out for worries and desires that will distract you, preoccupy you. Be ready to receive. And then instead of staying content to be shallow, aim at putting down roots. Spend some energy to mature. Be intentional about that desire to mature. Before he became a well-known Christian author and speaker, Leroy Ames had an anger problem. As a new Christian, he was learning how to live for God. And Leroy was reading the Bible, and he got to Colossians 3.8, which says, Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And Leroy tried not to pay any attention to that Bible verse. But the words, get rid of anger, kept coming back to him. As Leroy had an anger problem. When something set him off, he would bash his fist into the nearest door. He said, I often bloodied my knuckles, but I couldn't seem to stop. And here was God's word saying, get rid of anger. So Leroy decided to receive the word. Here's what he did. First, he memorized Colossians 3.8. And he reviewed it every single day. And he asked God to bring that word to his mind whenever he was tempted to lose his temper. And next, he asked his wife to pray for him and to remind him of that verse if she saw him failing in his promise. And over time, that word became part of Leroy's life and the sin of anger lost its grip. That's how the word can take root in your life. Instead of being unprepared, superficial, or preoccupied, the disciple welcomes God's word. So my question to you this morning is, what are you going to do? As we close this service today, I recognize that all four groups of those people are in this room right now. And some of you were so unprepared to hear from God that all this truth just bounced off your skull and it's gone. The enemy has snatched it away. Others of you are encouraged. But the minute you encounter a hostile family member or a tough situation or an absence of cookies in the lobby that joy might vaporize. Others of you haven't been able to grasp anything because your stress, your cravings, or your lunch plans are drowning out what God wants to say. But for some of you, there's a readiness to listen and there's a willingness to obey. Because when it comes to biblical truth, reception is everything. It's the mark of a disciple. And for you who receive... There's a promise. 
that God is going to produce good things in you and through you. A miracle 30 or 60 or 100 times greater than what you received. A harvest beyond all expectation. Stand and receive this benediction. People of God, don't let his word go in one ear and out the other. Humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts, for it's strong enough to save your souls. Act on what you hear. Allow God the gardener to landscape you with his truth and make a garden of salvation grow up in your life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.